Hi, and welcome to episode 62 of the Machine Ethics Podcast. This is another bonus episode, looking back at our interviewees' answers to the question, what excites you about the AI-mediated future? We hear from Pete Trainer, David Gunkel, Bertram Marley, Carissa Villas, Lydia Nichols, Rohin Shah, Olivia Gamblin, Rachel Herbens, and Maria Agzente. We discuss rethinking responsibility towards the world, social justice, possibility of solving coordination problems and humanitarian problems, growing as humanity, and building products with the next generation in mind. You can find more episodes at machine-ethics.net. You can follow us on Twitter at machine underscore ethics, Instagram, machine ethics podcast, and you can support us at patreon.com forward slash machine ethics. Thanks again and hope you enjoy. You know, it's, it's easy to dwell on some of the downsides. You know, actually what I'm really excited about is the concept, and I wrote about this, the book is actually quite positive. It's not a, it's a couple of years old, obviously, but it's quite positive about, you know, the idea that this technology can amplify the very best parts of humanity, mm-hmm. not just erode them. Uh, and we have this amazing opportunity to learn more about ourselves. So if AI is effectively, or, or you know, algorithms are effectively consuming the data that we supply them on mass every day, why couldn't that data teach us more about ourselves mm-hmm. or, or, you know, give us help before we know we need it? You know, and I'm really excited about some of the capabilities of this technology to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, when we talk about, you know, supporting people with mental health problems or, you know, even financial services um, as, as an industry that we service quite heavily, is this, I love this idea that this is the kind of technology that stops us getting to the bridge. Uh, by saying to us in advance, somehow, without it being kind of, you know, with it being supportive and not surveillance, and there's a kind of, there's a fine line there. Right. Um, you know, did you know if you keep going in this direction, this is going to be detrimental? Or did you know um, that, you know, the downside to where you're heading is th- that tra- making the future transparent in yeah. some way? Um, I, I just think it's actually a really interesting philosophical idea if we can do it without it being 1984 mm. um and i and that i think is is often overlooked in the kind of um the murkiness of what's going on right now uh, and i you know and that that really excites me i love the idea that we're going to see all the data that we're generating solving some big humanitarian problems yeah. um and i genuinely believe there are there are more people doing good with this kind of technology than negative um it's just that 80-20 rule, you know, the 20% of people that do something bad generally over, you know, overshadow the people that are doing like 80% of good, and I'm, I'm with the 80%. Um, but there are people trying to solve some really big problems, and, you know, we could see the eradication of, of certain types of cancer in the next couple of years because we can process data in a, in a volume that we've never been able to do before. Amazing. Mm. Um, we could get humanitarian aid to the right places with amazing companies like what three words you know using technology that has been around for a mm, while but mm. they've actually just utilized in a way that's you know yeah, just and quite, brilliant, quite simple idea it's amazing yeah. um and the processing and the ability to do some of that stuff is something that we've only really had in the last couple of years so uh that's really really exciting and i do believe we're going to see the world emerging in quite positive places mm. um, and some big problems sort of disappearing at some point well, the thing that really excites me, I think, is a lot of what we've talked about today, this idea that the way these artifacts are coming into relationship with us is really challenging us to think outside the box. 
not only about ourselves, but also our relationship to our world, to animals, to the environment. And I think, in a sense, these can be a, a kind of object lesson for rethinking our moral commitment to the entire universe of objects that uh, concern us. And that, I think, could only have positive impact as we begin to take greater responsibility for the way we live on the planet and the way we care for the planet. Um, and that, I think, is of crucial importance right now in the face of climate change and the devastations that we're seeing across the globe. This doesn't mean that we marginalize questions of human rights or human dignity. It means we roll that into a much broader perspective of the world that we occupy that can make room for these other things. That is what really excites me and makes me very optimistic. What excites me about it, uh, there's really two that belong together. One is that it forces us to think about human social interaction, human intelligence, human capacities, and maybe the best sides of humans. Because we want to build these systems uh, as a reflection of our best sides and try to not build them as a reflection of our darkest sides, which many science fiction movies do. They show robots as a reflection of the worst of humans, when in fact it would be nice to show a few examples of the best of human, uh, best of our capabilities. So what excites me is that we are reflecting on our human intelligence, uh, social cap capabilities, also our flaws and how we can avoid them. And as this, these systems that may reflect our better sides begin to become members of our communities, uh, that will actually make the social life that we live closer to the positive interactions and, and the successful ones that we do have, but they're also sometimes marred by very negative interactions. And so maybe the balance can shift more towards the world that we would like to have. And that isn't the world that just a few people would like to have, but a world that many and most people would like to have. And really then the community as a whole benefits. This is what humans are so amazingly good at, that we do things, we set uh, practices and norms and, and institutions in place that are supposed to benefit the large community and not just the individual. We have hierarchies that unfortunately benefit much more than the ones on top, but generally we are quite capable of finding ways to benefit the community as a whole, and thus each individual. And I think that AI and robotics could be one of those mechanisms that we put in place to help us get to that place. And maybe that would also lead a little more towards lowering the steepness of our hierarchies and, and empowering people who currently don't have as much power, rather than, as it's kind of been the case in the computer revolution, that the first ones who get the technology are the ones highest in the power hierarchy and in the economic hierarchy. So I think as designers, we need to be very careful not to build more machines that the elite gets, but rather machines that really help uh, the community at large and maybe precisely the ones that currently are not benefiting as much. That, that to me, would be a really noble and, and powerful goal that uh, is absolutely within our reach. Uh, but dedicating our technological, psychological, and social care to it uh, will, will be difficult. That's, there's no doubt about it. The optimistic view is that we're still in time to take back control of our data. Much of the world is still not digitized. Um, rules are changing in the right direction, people are becoming more aware, and I can see a future in which we have cutting-edge technology 
but we have technology that we own, that works for us, that we don't work for it, that we're not slaves of it. That, you know, when, when I use my car, I want my car to take me somewhere and I want it to do what I, what I want it, you know, what I want it to do. I don't want it to, to spy on my conversations, to see what music I, I hear, to track me and then sell that data to people who will use it against me. And I think that future in which we own the things that we use and they work for us, we don't work for them, is very realistic and it's very possible to bring it into reality. We just have to be very clear about what we want and how do we get there. I think that whilst I might sound like a downer on machine learning in a lot of kind of official systems and decision making, like, oh no, I could encode so much discrimination. It can also be an opportunity for transparency in that you will never see inside the skull of the judge making the sentencing decision. Mm. You can't know what they're thinking and why. But maybe with a machine learning system, even if the actual algorithm in the middle is a black box, you can work out a lot more from the direct inputs and outputs and the shape of it about what's going on in there. And you can unpick it and you can fix it and you can update it. Uh, it's just it's just about approaching it from a point of view which has social justice at the core, I think. And, you know, there is some hope. I feel like I want to go back to, like, the story of, like, are how we've developed as a species. Yeah. We are now in the regime where like material goods yeah. are just not not free certainly, but yeah. they're like ridiculously cheap. And like a friend a friend made this point to me is like, you know, back in the day you had to like spend most of your effort yeah. just like getting enough food to survive. Yeah. It's like call it 2000 calories. Yeah. Like a, a jar of peanut butter. Yeah is like probably about 2,000 calories. You can buy it for like, I think it's $2 in the States. I don't know what it is here. Um, And so even at like, you know, minimum wage of like $10 an hour, which is lower than the minimum wage in most parts of the US, that's like 12 minutes of work. Yeah. Like we've gone from a full day's work to 12 minutes of work for like all the calories you need. It's kind of, it's it's mind boggling, right? Like these sort of conversations like, oh, food's getting really expensive now. And you think, all right, so your banana costs, what, 20p? <laughs> How much would it have cost you to get that from the other side of the world? Yeah. You know, uh, three, four hundred years ago? No, well, I don't know. I'm not great with my history. Let's say a thousand years ago. That seems more realistic to yep. the point where they couldn't get bananas over. Yep. Yeah. I yeah. quite like eating bananas. That's, that's been a good result for me. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, so, you know, we've done this, like, great job as a species of, yeah. like, being able to do material things. Yeah. What we haven't done so well, I think, is like being able to do information type stuff, coordination. Yeah. yeah. Like we've got these, you know, great computers in our heads, these brains, mm. but they just like can't talk to each other very well. They're like limited to like this mode of communication yeah. at, at its fastest. Um, and like the internet's helped with this and that you can now, instead of doing one-on-one conversations, you can do yeah. many to one, uh, yeah. one-to-many conversations. Yeah. But even so, like, it's not great. And you can see this in the fact that like many of the biggest companies in the world are like primarily solving these sorts of information and coordination problems. Um, and like this is like the sort of domain that AI is like just like perfect for because there's lots of data because the internet. Um, it's completely yeah. uh, software based, digital. Um, not com- it, like, it depends on what you're trying to do, but many of the problems are like software based and digital. So like 
uh, easy for AI to operate in, whereas mm-hmm. in contrast, getting AI to work in the real world is like a horrible mess. Yeah. Um, and like, there's just like so much value to be had. Yeah. And so I feel like this sort of outside view perspective makes me like really excited for all the coordination problems I don't yeah. even see yet that like AI is going yeah. to solve. Yeah. Um, and it feels like it's going to be a very big deal, even in the near future. I am excited by the potential that this kind of technology unlocks for us, um, potential to understand our patterns as humans, potential to impact and help each other, um, the potential to reach beyond our normal um, constraints, whether that be constraints within a community, constraints within um, a country and so on, the technology that one person creates can touch the lives of millions, um, which is very, very exciting, I think, mm. leads us to towards development as, as human beings. Um, it sounds cliche, but it, it helps us uh, develop as, as people. I think what excites me is the diversity of kind of exploration and different interesting solutions that everyone is coming up with. Um, And I don't think that's specific to AI or machine learning. It's more from a technology perspective. Um, It's fascinating that we have, you know, someone sitting at home after work or a student in their room um, that come up with really interesting solutions to almost any problem you could you could think of. Um, if you have an idea of something and you Google it, you'd probably find a GitHub project or a little website of someone who's trying to accomplish that. So um, I think it's quite fascinating that we have this diversity of thinking and this entire planet kind of also having instant access to each other to accelerate the technological improvement. Uh, and technology, technological advancement of of humanity in general. I'm going to go back and probably end with um, my my hope for the the young generation. We would benefit a lot by having them um, at at the, at the table and yeah. not just do those things to them, but what with them. It's it's their future much more than ours, and uh, we owe it to them uh, much more than a previous generation and it's our responsibility to um, think of our actions with them in mind from building a chatbot to a smart toy to the facial recognition we use in the street build it with your child in mind and secondly be able to bring uh, bring them and making part of this journey, right? As mm-hmm. as much as is possible. When we we have to start thinking about them, mm-hmm. because they are powerful force, right? We keep on thinking about oh, they're just children, they're just teens. Look at Greta Thunberg. <laughs> Look at Greta Thunberg. If one teenager was able to mobilize so many politicians, imagine a handful of of Gretas that we have in every single sector to to keep us honest and keep us uh, alert and keep us awake that this is not uh, it's not just for us living in the moment it's for them as well hi and welcome to the end of the podcast um 
I also really quickly wanted to add my own view that AI is an amazing technology and we can harness it to kind of glimpse at new solutions to things like cancer screening and and solutions to uh, disaster um, singling and uncovering new phenomena and, and all that sort of stuff. You know, really powerful things that you couldn't necessarily do just as a human being looking at lots of data and making those correlations. So really exciting stuff. I also wanted to spend a quick moment to have a shout out to some of the other communities that I'm currently part of or have been in the past. Uh, firstly, a shout out to the IEEE. Um, you can see their ethics and AI work at ethicsinaction.ieee.org. Uh, also the For Humanity um, community at forhumanity.center who look at a lot of the professional conduct around things like GDPR, data, AI technologies, that sort of thing, as well as fellow podcasters, Are You A Robot? and their community, which you can find at areyourobot.co.uk. Also a big shout out and a thank you to all the new Patreons. Um, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com forward slash machine ethics. And there's also a link from the website machine-ethics.net. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you next time.